Amen. You may be seated this morning. We are so glad that you're here. Well, you know, uh, Becky and I just recently moved back to the Amarillo area, and we're so excited to be here a part of Amarillo Fellowship. Great, great, great church. And, uh, but one thing I'm having to get used to is the weather again. Holy macaroni, 50 degrees like that. <clears throat> you know, we came from the Denton area, and I was encouraged this week. I was watching uh, NASCAR yesterday, the Xfinity series. And so it, it's that track in Fort Worth is about 15 minutes from where I moved from. Our house took me 15 minutes to get to the track. And the announcers were saying that, <clears throat> that Friday, the temperature there was 85. Saturday during the race, it was 35. And then the race today is going to be another 80. So I'm like, hey, we took Amarillo weather and we just put it over there. So <laughs> we wanted to share that with other people. So, man, we are, we're so excited to be here. We are <clears throat> continuing in Pastor Richie's series called Reckless Love. And I love the truths that God has been to depositing in my life through what Pastor Richie's been teaching us. You know, one of the things that he shared with us is that the definition of reckless love, there's two different definitions, and one of them means careless. Careless, like disconnected, uninterested, doesn't really want to get involved. And that's not the definition of reckless that we've been talking about. The second definition of reckless means unconcerned about consequences. Don't you love it that in our lives God loves us and loved us while we were still sinners. He loves us. His love for us wasn't dependent and isn't dependent on how we respond to him. You know, now sometimes humanly, we love other people according to how they love us. Oh, they get up in our business. Oh, I'm going to get up in your business, right? But that's not how God responds. God always loves. He is always doing good things in our lives, and he sets us up for success, and I'm so glad that his love is unconcerned about consequences. Do you know that God loves us the same on our best days and our worst days? Right? When you, when you have your best day and you could check all, almost all the Ten Commandments off, you know, the, the Ten Commandments weren't given to us to make us right with God. They were given to help us understand that we can't do it on our own. You know, and on my best, on my best day, I'm doing good to check off about four and a half, maybe five of those things. There's a good majority of those things that I can't check off. And if God's love for me is based on my performance, I'm in a world of trouble. But thank God that he loves us on our best days and he loves us on our worst days. That is the reckless love of God. And God wants us to walk in confidence of his love. The old covenant was about doing and the new covenant was about being. Now, for you checklist people, you like to make lists and you like to check it off. You have a list 20 things long. You start to go through your day and you're checking things off. You're doing some things. What do you feel like at the end of the day if you're not able to check off all of that list? Well, I felt like my, I didn't measure up. I didn't get everything done like I needed to. And sometimes what we do is we translate that into our relationship with God. If I check off all of my stuff, if I read my Bible, if I encourage somebody, if I don't cuss today, you know, I do all these things, then I'm just going to walk in the blessings of God. The Old Covenant in the Old Testament was about doing. The New Testament is about being. In fact, when you understand who you are in Christ and you understand that God's love is reckless towards you in that it doesn't depend on how you respond back to him, he continues to love you. It does something within me to want to live my life with that kind of reckless love. And that's what Pastor Richie's been teaching us. In fact, one of the scriptures that he shared with us is 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 and 17. That this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Come on, somebody. Is that good news, anybody? 
Because you know how we grew up, like if you're, you know, if, if you grew up in church back in the day, this was the prevailing thought that, that we're going to do the best we can here and one day we're going to stand before God and when we stand before God, they're going to put a giant screen up and replay our life. So every blunder that we made, every mistake that we made, every time that we fell short, every time that we did a boatload of stupid, we're going to be reminded of that. Now listen to me, church, if that were going to happen, would you have great confidence in standing before the Lord? I can tell you, I wouldn't. It's not going to happen. And so we have to readjust ourselves. The Bible says the moment that you put your faith in God, this is such a smoking deal, the moment you put your faith in God, the Bible says God took your sin and put it as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers it no more. So why in the world we get, would we get before him one day and he goes, oh yeah, you come on up here. We got some things to talk about. You know, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. No, listen, because your faith is in Jesus on your worst day, he sees Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. The Bible says the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you've been clothed. Like today, I've got this white shirt on underneath. And so when I got dressed, I clothed myself in this outer shirt. So I could have this interior shirt ripped up. It could be a little bit dirty. I mean, you don't know that because you don't see it because what you see is what I've been clothed in. Well, the Bible says the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you were clothed in righteousness. So even on that day that you fall really short... What we tend to think is that God is not going to be with me today. He's not going to bless me today. My day's going to be, it's just going to be just going down the toilet. It's just going to be terrible. No. Well, even on your worst day, God sees the righteousness of God because of Jesus Christ in your life. And that's what brings us confidence. Because it's not about us. It's about him and the price that he paid for us. Listen to this. Our love grows more perfect so that we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in, the, in this world. I love the translation that Pastor Richie used. And it ends by saying, as he is, so are we. Let me just tell you, is there any lack in Jesus today? Do you think Jesus is up in heaven going, oh, I wonder if it's going to work out today? No. As he is, so are we. So church, when you put your faith in Jesus, every blessing, every privilege, everything that comes along with Jesus' relationship with God has now been opened up for you. And the great part about that is it's not dependent on what you've done. It's dependent on what's already been done at the cross of Calvary. That's why I'm so excited about coming out of Easter to share this message with you today. But you know, as believers, sometimes from time to time, we open the door and let some stuff come into our lives that really keep us from God's best in our life. And I want to share with you three of those things. I want to to open this by talking about a couple of statistics. One of the latest statistics says this, that 6.3 million people today have been diagnosed medically with fear. In other words, we all face things that bring fear in our lives or try to bring fear in us, but there are 6.3 million people today alive that the medical profession has had to step into to bring medicine to help them cope with fear. I'm telling you, we all face fear in our lives. But one of the things that the Bible says that God has allowed us to kick out of our lives is fear. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. Another statistic says this, two-thirds of all believers, I'm not talking about the world, but I'm talking two-thirds of all believers deal with doubt. Doubt is God going to come through. 
God, is God going to really work this thing out for my best benefit? So there's a little bit of doubt that comes in. And then most people deal with unbelief in some areas. So today we're going to talk about fear, doubt, and unbelief. And the thing that we want to do is we want to remain confident in God's goodness that he will never stop doing good in our lives. And when we know that, when we understand that, and we begin to live by that, then what we begin to do is we begin to kick out fear, doubt, and unbelief. In fact, there's a song that was popular a few years ago that says, the the lyrics say this, I don't want to make it tough. I just want to tell you that I've had enough. It might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie. Baby, bye, bye, bye. Come on, somebody. I think we ought to hear that this morning. Come on. Come on. (laughs) You're like... I came to church to hear somebody speak. I didn't come to see some white boy try to dance on the stage. Well, I can tell you when I, when I was in high school, I DJed dances for two reasons. I DJed because they gave me 120 bucks for two hours of spinning some tunes. And the second reason I DJed is because I danced like that and it kept me off the dance floor. So just forgive me today. But honestly, Because of what happened at the cross of Calvary, because of what happened, you know, last week we celebrated Easter, and I love Easter. Sometimes we think Easter is a one-day experience. Easter ought to be an experience that we go through every day of our lives. But because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, because he nailed our sins to the cross, every past, every present, every future sin, and then he has opened the door to us to say, Bye, bye, bye to some things in our life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, church. Reckless love saying bye, bye, bye. When you begin to understand the goodness of God, you know there are some things that you can kick out of your life. And today, I want to talk to you about three things. And if you're taking notes today, and you should be, I want you to write these things down. First of all, I want you to write this down. God has enabled you to say bye, bye, bye to fear. Bye, bye, bye. Don't you love it? We're in a church that loves to have fun, right? Like I grew up in a denomination. I grew up in a church. There was one church Becky and I were on staff at that we came in the back, the doors of the auditorium, and there was a sign in the back that says, come in, sit down, be quiet. You're in the house of the Lord now. And I'm like, coming in going, are we going to wake him up? I so love that we have senior pastors, pastors Pam and Richie, that love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They love people as they love themselves, and they love to have fun. Do you know the Bible says that God wants us to enjoy life? He wants, to have, wants us to enjoy an abundant life. Have you ever met people that go to one of those churches that look like they pass out lemonades or lemon, uh, lemon wedges when they come to church? They're like, I want you to know you're a part of the church that understands the grace of God and the love of God and that enjoys a relationship with the Lord. And I'm telling you, God wants you to enjoy a relationship with the Lord. Well, um, we're going to talk about today saying bye-bye-bye to three things. The first one is fear. And I want you to turn, if you've got your Bibles today, I want you to open up uh, to 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. This is what the Word of God says. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. 
but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels or casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Hey, leave that scripture up there for just a second because it says, such love has no fear. Because perfect love does what? Expels all fear. Hey, have you ever been in the restaurant with somebody? And, uh, you know, they're just eating their food, taking a drink of their water, whatever they're drinking. And somebody cracks a joke. And you know they don't have time to swallow. And you see them start shaking. And you know something good's getting ready to happen. Kind of looks like this. <laughs> and they expel what they just had in their mouth. Do you know that's the word that we're talking about here? If, uh, because perfect love expels all fear. The one thing that I want you to understand about fear is this. Fear and love are mutually exclusive with God. When one comes in, the other leaves. So if you're dealing with fear in your life, you've opened the door on some things in your life, allowed fear to come in. One of the things that you need to understand is you're not fully understanding the love of God because for some reason in your life, there's an area that you're thinking the judgment of God is getting ready to happen in your life. And I relate so much to this. Because a couple of years ago, Becky and I were living in Denton, and there was about a three-month process that I had done something that opened the door to fear to come into my life. And every night for three months, I, I, I got to where I didn't want to go to sleep because I knew at some point between midnight and six in the morning, I was going to wake up with this overwhelming dread of something terrible getting ready to happen. And so when I would wake up, and it was every night for three months, when I woke up, it, I'd start singing, or I'd start praying, and I'm telling you, the assault of the enemy was incredible, reminding me of everything terrible that I'd done. And I just began to focus on those things, and that fear would get so big inside of me. And sometimes it would last for five minutes, sometimes it'd last for an hour and a half, but I'd start praying, I'd start singing, and I always knew when fear left, because there was an incredible peace that would come into my life that night. Well, I'll never forget this. It was a Friday morning and, and I'd actually slept all the way through the night. It was the first time in three months that I hadn't been woken up with that overwhelming fear of dread and impending so, doom. <clears throat> and I woke up that morning and this voice just spoke to me and said, I'm coming for you today and I'm taking you out today. And I'm telling you, fear was just running rampant in my life. And so I didn't tell Becky about it, but I was just terrified. I was just walking around thinking, oh, man, something from my past is going to come up and it's going to expose everything. It's going to be horrible or, or my marriage is going to fall apart. My kids are going to get in a wreck. I'm going to lose a job. I mean, all this kind of stuff is just going around. And I'm just struggling with this all day long. And I'll never forget this. I went to bed that night and I laid my head on the pillow. And as soon as my head hit the pillow, I heard the voice of Jesus. I heard his words resonate inside of me saying this. It is finished. And can I tell you, when I heard those words that night, fear left my life. And church, as witness before God, fear has not come back inside of my life because he declared it is finished. 
One of the things that I love about Easter is that because Jesus paid the price for our sin, he was buried in the grave for three days and then rose again. And he paid the price for our sin. Every one of our shortcomings, every one of the, that filth stuff that had been attached to our lives in the past was nailed to the cross so that we could, and he did for us what we could not do so that we could inherit from him something we do not deserve. And so church, the moment we put our faith in Jesus, the Bible says that perfect love expels fear. So I want to encourage you today that if you're dealing with fear, I want you to stop looking and listening at the accusations that the enemy is making. And I want you to start declaring the finished work of Jesus in your life. Come on, is that helping anybody today? The goal of fear is to bring torment. You lie awake at night reliving an event over and over. Maybe somebody said something that's going over and over in your mouth, over and over in your mind. Or maybe it's a past mistake or something or, or an impending doom. You know, I grew up in one of those families that it could be 85 and sunny out. But I always have somebody say, well, it's probably going to rain. You ever meet people like that? Like things are going great and they're always there to speak into your life, the impending doom. So many times what we allow to happen is we allow that to take root in our heart. And what we need to do is go back to the word of God that says, no, 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 perfect love expels or casts out all fear. So fear, bye, 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 Felicia. You're out of my life. Bye, bye, bye. Come on, somebody. Is that helping you today? I want to talk to you about something else that we can say bye 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 to today and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes and you should number two write this down you can say bye 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 to doubt Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11 says this under the old covenant the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again it's talking about the old testament the old covenant which can never take away sins. But our high priest, who's our high priest? It's Jesus. When our high priest Jesus offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, it was good for how long? Okay. Now what's it talking about? Well, that's talking about when Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was arrested, put through a mock trial, he was crucified and he was hung on a cross. The Bible said that that he did that to be a propitiation for our sins. In other words, a full payment for our sins, past, present, and future. So that's what it's talking about, uh, that he made a single sacrifice for all sins. You know, back in the Old Testament, back in the day, you'd have to go once a year to the high priest, and you'd have to find an animal, and they'd have to examine the animal to make sure it was without blemish, and they would uh, uh, slay that animal as a covering for your sin. And you have to do that year after year after year. So you're always reminded that you are falling short. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of the punishment for your sin and my sin. He nailed it to the cross. He put it on the grave and then he rose on the third day so that on the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we have been forgiven. We have been set free. All of the blessings, the covenant blessings that any, anything that Jesus has in relationship to God is now available in our life. How many of you know that's good news? Yeah. Right? You see, but what we deal with is we deal with doubt. Doubt is a result of focusing on doing and not on, boi- uh, on being. Focusing on external behavior instead of internal transformation. Now, one of the things that I had to learn as a parent was not to judge my kids by their behavior at that moment. And one of the bigger things that I had to learn as a parent was to stop talking about past mistakes they made. 
because I was setting them up to fail, right? So they would they'd do something stupid, and we'd talk about the stupid, and then we'd go, then it'd happen again. I'm like, see, you did that three months ago. You're probably going to do it three months from now. So let's go into this all explanation about, listen, do you realize that when Jesus died on the cross, he declared in your life, it is finished. And the Bible says he took that sin and put it as far as the east is from the west. And what we do is we begin to allow uh, doubt to come into our lives. Did God really take, did God really know about this sin? Did God really know about that? You see, at the heart of doubt is an unshakable fear that we just might be going to hell. Despite our Herculean efforts to please God. Have you ever tried to work your way into pleasing God? And have you ever found yourself at the end of the day reminding God of all the good things you did to him or for him so that his blessings would fall in your life? Well, that's a skewed perspective of who God is. Can I, tell, can I just remind you that on your best day, God loves you. On your worst day, God loves you. And his plans are the same in your life. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, he brings you into perfection. And the offering that he made at the cross of Calvary literally perfects you and makes you holy. It perfects you and it makes you holy. In fact, can we throw that scripture back up? Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, but the high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for our sins. By that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And I remember back in the day, we'd say something like this. Man, you've been made perfect. You've been, you've been saved because of the blood of Jesus. But now you've got to live it out. So your righteousness is going to come by your act. But what this verse is telling us is that he made perfect those who are being made holy. Now, what does that mean? What in the world does that mean? Well, that means this. His sacrifice that he made on that cross 2,000 years ago, it was a past work. He died on the cross for your past. And he forgave you then. But he's continually forgiving you today. Because you know what? Even at your best, you still fall short from time to time. Right? And that's what I do. Like, you know, the Ten Commandments were given not to help us get right with God. The Ten Commandments were given to help us understand on our own we can't do it. You know, honestly, on my best day, I'm knocking out about five or six of them. So if it's going to depend on my self-effort to get me right with God and keep me in right standing with God, I'm in a world of trouble. I'm going to fall way short, but because it's not based on me. Come on, somebody, this is good news. This encourages me every day. Because it's not based on me and my self-effort, because it was based on him 2,000 years ago, now I can begin to operate in the love of God, his reckless love, and begin to let those things naturally be manifest in my life. I want you to hear the truth of this. Those who are by any measure holy are made perfect forever, and it is all because of Jesus. You see, holiness and righteousness don't start with righteousness. It starts with being, and being starts with putting your faith in him, and because of that, righteousness comes into your life. Come on, that's good news today, church. You see, what we want to do is we want to kick out doubt, doubt, any doubt that you have that you're holy. Has the devil ever brought an accusation against you that you're holy? Oh, you can't be holy. Because you see, did you hear what you said last night? Did Did you see the way you responded? You can't be holy. That can't be you. He wants to bring doubt in your life. 
He wants to have you doubt your righteousness. He wants you to doubt that you've been set apart. He wants you to doubt that you've been favored, that you've been blessed, that you're more than enough. He wants you to doubt that he will, that God will come through. He wants you to doubt that God's going to actually work it out for your best benefit. He wants you to doubt, church, that you've been made perfect. However, the Word of God says the moment that you put your faith in Jesus, you have been forever stamped holy, righteous, accepted in his eyes. So we have to do is we have to kick out fear and we have to kick out doubt. And both of those things start, we open the door in our lives because of unbelief. So the third thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this. One of the things that we want to do is not only say bye-bye-bye to fear, bye-bye-bye to doubt, but we want to say bye-bye-bye to unbelief. <laughs> come on. It'll just make you feel better. Church, come on. Just kind of roll your shoulders. Just do this. Don't you just feel better about that? You're just saying bye, bye, bye. What I want you, I want to encourage you. <laughs> I want to encourage you as a reminder to you, not to God, because he already knows it, but as a reminder for you, when fear, doubt, and unbelief come in your mind, you just just do this. Bye, bye, bye. And you're making a statement. <laughs> You're making a statement, and you're agreeing with what God has already said. Um, Matthew chapter 13, verse 58 says this. It's talking about Jesus. He did not do many mighty works there because of what? Their unbelief. Now, I want you to understand, this particular scripture was written in Jesus' hometown. Now, there's lots of scriptures that would say that when Jesus went into a particular city or a particular region or a particular area... Often it would say every sickness was healed. Every disease was healed. Every need was met. Yet Jesus packed his bags, went back to his homeland, went back to his city where he grew up. With the people that watched him grew up. With the same people that saw him at the age of 10 going into the temple and had such a great understanding of God began to instruct them at 10 in the temple about a relationship with the Lord. The same people that saw him is what this was written about. And it says, he, Jesus, did not do many mighty works there. Where? In his hometown because of what? Their unbelief. You see, the unbelief of them stopped what God wanted to do in that city. Now, let me ask you a question. The same need that was in the other cities, was it present in the city? The same type of people that need to be healed, were they in both cities? What's the difference? Wait, wait, wait. Was it God going, okay, you know, I don't want to show any favoritism to Jesus' hometown, so I'm just not going to heal people there. No, that wasn't the deal. It was the same people, it was the same Jesus, same Messiah, same truth, same revelation. The problem was their unbelief. You see, Jesus' wonder-working power depended upon the faith of those that came. Here's the crazy thing that blew me away. As I was studying the scripture this week, this is what it, the truth that it brought out. It's not that Jesus couldn't heal all of the sick there. They only brought him a few people. Everyone that they brought Jesus was healed. The problem was they just didn't bring it to him. Why didn't they bring it to him? They didn't believe who he was. They didn't believe that he was who he said he was. They didn't believe that he would do what he said he would do. They didn't believe that there was a God in heaven that would actually show up on this planet and open up a relationship. So it wasn't about a religion where we check stuff off, but it was about a relationship. It just blew them away. And they just didn't believe. 
In fact, I just wonder if they sent a few people going, okay, you guys, yeah, just go on over there because he's going to miserably fail because he's, what they'd already done is they'd seen what he'd done and they attributed that to the devil. Oh, you're just doing that because you're controlled. You have a demonic spirit in you. They didn't believe he was who he says he was. Now, before we get all self-righteous and look at them and go, you bunch of idiots, you need to get your stuff together. How many people have ever done this? And I believe that, that he's going to heal your marriage, but I'm just not sure about my marriage. I, I believe that, that God has some great plans for you, but in my life, I know what I did a couple years ago, and I'm disqualified. You see, when we do that, what we do is we open the door to unbelief to come into our lives. And when unbelief comes in, fear will be right on its heels and so will doubt. And they will kick your tail day after day. And so what we need to do as a church is we need to understand who we are. And I am so glad that Pastor Richie has such a great handle on who we are in Christ. It's not about us. It's about him. And when we keep it about him and he has stamped us perfect forever, we're allowed to kick some things out of our lives. I love the ministry of Pastor Bob that helps us understand how to kick the devil out of our lives and slam that door shut. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, you seal in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. And that confession opens the door for mighty works to come into your life. Well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm operating in belief? How do I know if I've shut the door and slammed it on there? Oh, honest, I get to tell you in my own life, I kind of go in and out. There's some days that I do really well, and there's some things that I try to hang on to. And I just want to just give you a quick illustration. Um, we have some Easter eggs with us today. And so <clears throat> the way that we know whether we've kicked unbelief out of our life is that all of our eggs are in God's basket. But what we do a lot of times is we're like, oh, man, and I've seen Pastor Richie, Pastor Pan's kids. Those guys are awesome. They lead ministries. They lead in worship. They got that flowing long hair. <laughs> They're just beautiful. But my kids, they kind of jacked up. So I believe God wants to do great things to them. But I need to kind of huddle over my kids just a little bit. And I need to protect them just a little bit. Because I live with them every day. Or sometimes we do, we do this. You know, we live in a, if, if you talk to a financial advisor, they say stuff like this. They say, hey, uh, you want to diversify your portfolio. Which means that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You invest some here. You invest some there. You invest some here. So that if one of those things doesn't come through, you still have a backup plan. And we tend to do that. So we tend to go, all right, um, uh, like 10% giving back to the Lord. Man, that's a lot of money. And so what, what I want to do is, is, I don't know, like I heard that testimony that Pastor Brooks had, and, and those guys are awesome. And I believe God did it for them. I don't know that he'll do it for me. So, so I'm going to give him a little bit, but I'm just going to hang on to a little bit in case I don't really work out. You know what I'm saying? And you go, everything with our jobs, our relationships, our kids. So, okay, God, I, I'm going to trust you with that. 
But I don't really want this messed up. Well, church, can I tell you, what we've done is we've opened the door to unbelief. And when we don't believe God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do, we stop a lot of many mighty works that God already has planned. So how do we know? Well, we know we've kicked out unbelief when all of the eggs are in God's basket. And we just live by faith that he's going to work it out in our best benefit. So I want to encourage you today to bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, the Bible says that 6.3 million people have been diagnosed, medically diagnosed with fear. Other statistics say that two-thirds of believers deal with doubt. And that most people, including me, deal with unbelief in some area. But church, what we have to understand is that when we do that, we open the door to unbelief. And I want to remind you today that the word of God says to you, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future.